0: If you will, turn your Bibles to uh, John 21. Uh, that's where we're going to be this morning. And um, we're going to take two two uh, Sundays to go through John 21. And then, uh, so this Sunday and next Sunday, and then um, the Sunday after that, uh, we're going to have kind of like a, a John, Book of John debrief time. So, you know, I'd like you all to be thinking of... Uh, Things that God has shown you as we've gone through the book of John. We might have, you know, we'd like to have testimonies of people to share, you know, what they've learned from the book of John before we move on to the next study. So um, if you're in John 21, I'm just going to read verses 1 through 14. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way Simon Peter. Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This is now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Um, when I was in high school, um, I had an older brother. It was just my brother and myself, but he, he was one year ahead of me. So I was a junior and he was a senior, and... Um, it's kind of funny but like um I used to like he'd get in trouble a lot, you know. And so I learned from those situations, but I would constantly, I would a lot of times eavesdrop on you know the 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 uh, conversations between him and my parents, you know. In fact, uh this one time um I remember he was he was going on a date and he and he said that he was going to take this girl into Washington DC cuz I'm from Maryland. And, um, and he was supposed to be home by midnight. Well, he didn't get home till like two in the morning. So that next day, um, I, in my like devious ways, I, I had a tape recorder. And so our house was like a split level. So they were like down in the basement part and I was up in the top part and I was just taping the conversation just because I thought it was funny and I would listened to it. But um, while they were lecturing him and then he was... Giving excuses as to why—I mean, his excuse I remember was that he like got lost in Virginia somewhere. You know, it's like, okay, if you took a wrong exit, does it really take? Would it really take two hours? You know, to to get back home. So anyway, it was just kind of—it was one of those things that I don't know that the truth ever came out. Um, but uh, anyway, I think my mom always knew what the real truth was. She just happened. I mean. I lied to them one time about how I got a dent in the car. And um, later on, she said, like, I knew that wasn't the truth. (laughs) You know, um, it was because I let somebody of mine that was 14 years old drive it. Uh, But anyway, that was stupid. Uh, So anyway, um, just like I uh, was eavesdropping on those conversations, um, uh, and I learned from those things, I learned, like, Don't do that. Don't do what my brother was doing. Um, But we're going to eavesdrop on this conversation this morning um, in this passage where John is writing to us, and he was an eyewitness of these things. And so we're just going to eavesdrop on here and uh, find out what are some significant takeaways that we can learn from this passage. So um, in verse 1, it starts off after this. And... um, I want to like just go over what we, what do we know up to the point where John says after this. Well, you know, from what we've been studying here, we know that per John's account, this will be the third time that Jesus appears to the disciples. And I believe when John says oh, disciples here, he's talking about the eleven apostles that were left. And um, so uh, you know, we know from all the gospel accounts in the book of Acts, that Jesus appeared to other people. He, re, he appeared to those women at the tomb. He appeared to the two guys on the road to Emmaus. And at one time, it says he appeared to more than 500. Um, but from what I can put together, this appears to be the third time that Jesus appeared to the apostles as a group. Um, and even from John's account, this is the third time. It is fascinating. I, I did a Google search yesterday on a chronological order of Christ's appearances after the resurrection, and... Uh, uh, you can find some stuff. I mean, not everyone agrees on what they all, all were, but it was just interesting to see the order of that. Um, uh, this one article I read kind of put them in based on all of their study in the in the scriptures. But anyway, this is the third account, is from John's perspective in in the book of John. And uh, the first was when he revealed himself uh, in the room that they were locked in. Um, that was on the first day after his resurrection but Thomas wasn't there, as we know. And then the second time um, was eight days later, and it appears at that time frame that all 11 were there. Um, So John starts off this passage with, after this. Um, So we know that this at least means after the two previous appearances, but we don't know how long after this really is. You know, it says after this, Jesus revealed himself again. So if you look at the other gospel passages, you'll see, actually what's interesting is that Jesus, even on the night of the Last Supper, told them that I will meet you in Galilee, okay? So I don't know if they remembered that or not, but then God used uh, the one woman that he met at the tomb, said, go and tell the disciples that I'm going before them and I'll meet them in Galilee. So... So what happens here is is the disciples at least um, understood that they needed to go to Galilee, um, and this would have been after those other first two accounts. And um, so they're they're going to Galilee, and uh, according to historians, that's at least a five days journey from Jerusalem to Galilee. And so um, we know that this, after this had to be at least five days, you know, if Jesus appeared right away. But um, that's at least as a minimum. Um, but in my personal opinion, it, is that this third uh, appearing, um, it, it had probably been a little while, you know, um, because here they are, the the guys, are they're not just staying in one place in Galilee. You've got six of them here that are going fishing, and I don't know where the other five were. But... um it, you know, based on my understanding, I feel like probably some period of time went by when they got to Galilee, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, maybe maybe longer. Um and and they were just, you know, going back to doing you know, doing what they knew what to do. Um and and that's why we find them not all together in one place. They might have they might have started out in one place for a while and but then they were like, well, we're Jesus isn't showing up, so we're, you know we're, we've got to live. So we're just going to, you know, go do what we know what to do. Um, but I'm intrigued by John's words in verse one, where he says, um, "After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias which really just is another name for the Sea of Galilee, and um, and he revealed himself in this way, and." Those words, just he revealed himself in this way, they're intriguing to me because I feel like what John is trying to say is like, listen up, I'm going to tell you how this went down. You know, I I want you to pay attention because I'm going to tell you how this happened, this event. Um, And I think there's something significant that, uh, that we need to understand about the way in which um, this event happened, how Jesus revealed himself. So that leads me to the first takeaway. Um, if we go on to verse 2 and 3, it says, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And I think that's, that's where that uh, phrase originated, gone fishing, originated right here in the Bible. Um, They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Um, So my first takeaway, I got three takeaways this morning. And the first one I see here is that Jesus meets us in our ordinary everyday lives. Um, I think of how, um, even through the songs this morning, a lot of them were personal songs like, Jesus is better, and, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, Lord, that I, you know, uh, I'd rather have you than silver or gold. But honestly, when I evaluate my own life a lot of times and just take a snapshot of where I'm at at any given time, I think someone could question, is that true? Do you really value Jesus more than silver or gold? Do you really value Jesus more than riches untold? And so I think what I'm encouraged about in this passage, and I think it'll be encouraging to us this morning, is that even in those times, Jesus is going to pursue us. And that's what I mean by Jesus meets us in our ordinary, everyday lives. These guys went back to fishing, um, and, and, he, and he's going to reveal himself to them in the midst of that. And um, how many of you have ever gone to a, a week... Or a weekend conference where the Bible is taught, and it could be uh, you know a certain theme to it, you know, probably even like this ladies' conference, or we went, we had a men 's conference in the spring. Um, but how many of you have gone to something like that, and at the end of the weekend you 're just like, Oh wow, this is i 'm going to serve God with all my heart i 'm going to love him with all my heart.' Um, we kind of call those mountaintop experiences, right? You know, if you've heard that phrase. And um, so I, I kind of see in this situation um, that Jesus didn't, uh, they weren't gathered in one place in this account to where Jesus just came and gave a rousing you know, weekend conference, and then they all left and said, Team, you know, and, and went out there and set fire to the world. I see what's happening here is they are going about their everyday lives, and Jesus comes to meet them. So um, this true story, in my understanding, confirms the truth that Paul shared in Philippians 1:6, um, which says, and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And that's why I'm encouraged by this passage, and I think we can take courage this morning, that even when we're out there walking and we're in our ordinary everyday lives, uh, we can and should be sure that Jesus will show up and meet us at the water's edge of our ordinary everyday lives in order to bring about his work of sanctification in our lives. And... Um, I'm, I'm sure that you guys have experienced that. We'll have some discussion in the um, A&I time afterwards of, of how you may have experienced that. Um, but I see that that's one takeaway that we see here. And, um, uh, and we can take courage in that. And we need to be attentive to it, too. We need to be attentive to the fact that, that Jesus is going to reveal himself to us in our ordinary, everyday lives. And why? Because he has got a work to do. You know, he's got a work that he needs to complete, and he's going to do that um, regardless of where we're at. Um, So the next takeaway I have here um, is from John 21, verse 4 through 7. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, So, the second takeaway I have here is that Jesus reveals himself to us in different ways. Um, in my personal experience, um, and hopefully you guys can attest to this too, Jesus has shown up and revealed himself in my ordinary everyday life from reading or hearing his word. Um, i 've seen him uh, answer prayers it 's another way that i 've seen him reveal himself to me in my life and then um, a big one is through other people, especially my wife, but then other fellow believers. Jesus will reveal himself through other people. Um, so how did he reveal himself through his word? Um, to me, I see that he takes the disciples back to a time when he spoke to them, and it was in Luke 5, and um, if you're familiar with the story, um, I'll just kind of summarize it, uh, But Jesus was getting into one of the disciples' boats, could have been Peter's, could have been James or John's, and uh, he said, put out to shore a little bit so that, you know, he he could preach to the people on the shore. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And what was their response? Master, we've toiled all night and we caught nothing. I mean... And actually, it said, at the beginning of this, it says that they were, they were cleaning their nets. I mean, so think about it. I don't know how long it took to wash their nets after a night of fishing. But, you know, if that was a, a, a job that took a lot of toil and time, you know, they're thinking, my nets are clean, I'm going to wait till the next day or, or a week from now whenever we go fishing again. And, um, and Jesus is asking them to get their nets dirty again. You know, and uh, so you see, you know, Peter, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Um, And then Jesus goes on to say at the end, do not be afraid, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So... um, I see that Jesus revealed Himself to them through His Word. You know, here He He comes back and um, He basically tells them the same thing. Or the stranger to them that thought at the time said, "Cast your nets on the right side of the boat, and you will find some." And um, it's interesting that they followed through with that. Um, but um, you know, afterwards, after they caught that large number of fish, I know it, it probably clicked in their heads that like. Jesus told us this. We've been through this before, and, you know, he gave his word back then, and now he's given us his word again. Um, Before I got married, I lived in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, in a house with uh, three other guys, and it was, I don't know, about a quarter mile from George Mason University, and so um, I used to uh, it was almost a nightly routine. I would, on the way on the road that you had to take uh, to go past this field that was part of George Mission University, uh, you'd have to pass that before you got to our house. And oftentimes, I would stop there and just go take a walk under the stars in the field and and pray and 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 meet with God. And um, about eight years ago, I, I can't really remember the time frame. Uh, Maybe eight or nine years ago, um, circumstances in life were really were really difficult. I mean, at my job, uh, my children were all in, in, uh, or most of them in the the teenage, uh, late teenage years, and where you know there's a point where they need to make critical decisions, or they would be making critical decisions, and um, and it just so happened that um, I ended up having a business trip to the um, Northern Virginia area. And so um, what happened on that trip is one of the nights after business was done, I decided that I would uh, take a drive and kind of like relive the old stomping grounds. You know, I went by uh, our first apartment after we got married. I went by and saw our first house we bought. And, um, and then I went over there to George Mason University. And I just was like, God, I'm, I'm going to meet with you again where I used to meet with you. And... Um, as it turns out, George Mason had turned that field into a baseball stadium. So that's where their baseball uh, uh, activities were at that time. Um, but I still, I parked the car, I got out. I went and sat on the, on the bleachers behind home plate and, um, and I just met with God again and um, just poured out my heart to him. And uh, he encouraged me by bringing me back to that time in my life when I was 21-ish and said to me, I am the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and I will never leave you or forsake you. So God revealed himself to me through his word. And just like he did years ago, used to reveal himself to me when I'd meet with him. And he he brought me back to that time and just encouraged me that um, I'm with you. You you can get through this time with me, this difficult time in your life right now. and so I can't help but think that the disciples experienced the same thing uh, uh, after they followed through with what this stranger was telling them to do and they got all those fish that uh, really they, it clicked in their heads that Jesus was bringing them back to a time that was very significant in their lives when they left everything and followed him. So really the, the lesson here is get to know God through his word. Get to know God through his word. Um, oftentimes God will just bring his word back to you, just to to speak to you, to reveal himself to you. Um, So how did he reveal himself through answered prayer? It doesn't really say in here whether the disciples were praying for a catch or not. Um, Again, I was just thinking again this morning as the songs were going on that how often do we just go do life. It might even be like we're going and serving the Lord, but we are not praying that God would do something. We're not praying that God would use our lives. We're just, we're just doing it. We're just putting it in an autopilot. Um, so here, I don't know whether the disciples were praying for a catch or not, but I do know when we see God do a miracle in our lives, especially when we have been praying, then it builds up our faith even more. So just because God is full of grace, um, you know, I'm sure we've all experienced him do things in our lives that um, because he loves us. But then there's other times that, you know, we will pray for something and then God answers prayer. And that even builds our faith even more. It's, it's kind of like uh, when you, you're praying for something. If you guys remember when we were in John 15... And Jesus said, uh, talked about prayer. If you pray anything in my name, you know, I will do it. And in the context of bearing fruit, it had to do with praying for things that only God could do. You know, praying for things that only God could do. And those are the things that um, I feel here that these disciples, what happened is they, God did something that only he could do. And that's how he revealed himself to them. So, um, there was a, a time when I was, uh, I mean, this is kind of interesting, but so I was, I was, this was when I was single, and, and I was, I don't know how I got myself in debt. I told you that story about that dumb consumer buyers club a while ago, but it was stuff like that, you know, poor decision making. Um, and I remember there were, uh, there were some, uh, there was a family we knew, and they were trying to raise money to go to Poland and start a church, and I was thinking see, this is God, I, I, I hate that I'm in debt because I, I don't even feel like I can give them anything. I I owe the banks and the credit card companies, you know, a few thousand dollars. And so I started praying. I just didn't like that feeling. So I prayed that God would help get me out of that debt. And, um, and there was one day, I remember specifically when I was at my job, and um, I was looking for something in a certain file drawer, and this was back in the day when they, like, handed you your paychecks, okay? Um, but I opened the drawer, and there was, like, a paycheck there <laughs> that I guess I had never, you know, uh, took to the bank and, and, and deposited. So, it, it was a, so, anyway, it was a paycheck for, you know, a couple thousand dollars, and, uh, and that just built my faith. It was like, wow, God, I prayed <laughs> That this would happen, and and who knows how long it would take me to to open that file drawer and find that money. So anyway, um, uh, another way that God has revealed Himself in in my life through prayer, and um, I'm sure that for anyone who is a parent in this room, um, as your kids get older, and like I said, they get to those years of of you know they're going to be making critical decisions about. Who they marry and and what their you know future employment might be or or you know what what what's going to happen? Um, there were many times that I remember almost being at a crisis point, and and going and praying, God, do something here. And I would see God move on their hearts, and they would make the decision that you know we were praying that they would make. Um, some were hard. Some were even involved almost to the point of like, hey, um, if you don't do this, then you have four weeks or you're out of the house. And so, so uh, you know, through prayer, I see God reveal himself um, in our lives through that. So the next thing I want to say is just get to know God through praying for things that you know only he can do. He invites us to do that. So how did he reveal himself through other people? Well, I think what's interesting here, this kind of just like popped out at me when I read it. It says um, in verse seven, that disciple whom Jesus loved, who we you know is know John, okay? That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment and jumped in the water and swam to shore. But Peter didn't recognize that Jesus was Lord. He didn't go like, is that, you know, I can't tell. Is that the Lord or not? But when when John said, it is the Lord, Peter responded based on what John told him. He just heard that it was the Lord, and he jumped in and swam to shore. And so um, really, uh, I think that's an example of how God uses other people in our lives to reveal himself Um, to us. And uh, I don't know how many times I've been discouraged or confused or something else uh, in just life circumstances, and God has used other people to speak a word into my life, to speak a word of encouragement, to speak a word of truth, and especially my wife, God has used. I mean, there's so many times that I'm just like toiling away and not really sharing my life with my wife, and then when I do, she'll come back and say, well, why don't you do this? And I'm like, I wish I would have heard that, you know, months ago. Um, But it was because I wasn't opening up my life. So God reveals himself to us through others. Um, So the takeaway here is get to know God by interacting with other believers. So through his word, through prayer, and by just interacting with other believers. So... The third takeaway I have here is in verse 8 through 14. Um, The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land but about 100 yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. as a disciple's source of power and provision. And um, he does that to us. He reveals himself, or he wants to reveal himself as as our source of power and provision. Um, I used to work as a a sales engineer uh, before I got my job with Honeywell in, in 2000. And I used to sell engineering test equipment to customers like the engineers at Honeywell, you know, that I would later be working with. Um, and one of the companies that I sold for was a company uh, from New York and they made power supplies. And so Honeywell was a customer and bought their power supplies uh, from, you know, through me. Uh, and then I, you know, would get a commission. But um, one time they got a power supply from this company and um, it, it didn't work. And so um, I, I went ahead and, and set up a teleconference between... Um, the technical support guys from this company, um, Honeywell and myself. And um, so the first thing that the guy from technical support asked the engineers at Honeywell was like, did you plug it in? And so um, I was just on the other end of the phone, thoroughly like embarrassed thinking like, these guys are thinking, what do you mean did we plug it in? Of course we plugged it in, you idiot, you know? And, um, So anyway, I I don't remember the outcome of that, but for some reason I remember that. And um, I'm sure those technical support guys probably were trained where the first question had to be, did you plug it in? Because that is the simplest solution to possibly something that you think doesn't work and you just didn't plug it in. Um, But in the midst of these disciples' ordinary routines of life, fishing, Jesus reminded them that he is the ultimate source of power and provision. And I think where I identify with these guys so much, I think all of us do, is how often do we forget that Jesus is the ultimate source of power and provision in our lives? Um, It might even be just, you know, we're serving the Lord, you know, hey, I'm going to... Uh, be a teacher at Awana, or I'm going to be a volunteer and do some help. And we're getting ready this afternoon. We come in tonight, and we do, and just there's no connection between. Oh, Jesus wants to be the source of power and provision for that, because it's like ah, oh, we got this, God. I got, I got this. I don't. What? I mean, we. It's like it's it's like sometimes it's the last thing we think about. Um, and I, I admit that sometimes it can be confusing. You know, you'll, you'll read other verses in the Scripture that says, Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Or another place, act like men, be strong, or outdo one another in zeal, like it says in Romans. It's like, uh, sometimes you read verses like that and you're like, Okay, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and, and go for it, you know. Um but really the question is, what part do I play and what part does God play? And I, I think the answer, we can find that answer in this, in this text. Um, and it involves faith and humility. Um, even though the disciples did not know that it was Jesus who was asking them to cast the nets on the right-hand side of the boat, in fact, the guy even said, if you do that, you will find some fish. Um, it involved humility humility. And faith on their part to do what they were being told in Luke 5 we saw that Jesus clearly told them to cast their nets obviously in both of these scenarios it took effort on their part right I mean God had to use a human being to cast the net Um, so it took effort on their part of the men to do what was being asked but in both cases they responded to what was being asked with action so I think one of the biggest keys to us gaining access to the source of power and provision is to in humility recognize our insufficiency and then respond to what Jesus is asking us to do in faith, and then the response takes action on our part. Um, if you notice, another thing in here is that God, God used what they had to offer, right, in this miracle. They had a boat, they had nets. They had some muscles, and God was like, I'm going to use that, but then I'm going to show you where your sufficiency ends and my sufficiency begins. And um, they saw the blessing after they, one, exercised faith, two, exercised humility, and three, took the appropriate action. And so I think in the responses we see here by Peter and John, we even see confirmation of Romans 12.3. And I want us to turn to Romans because we're going to end up Reading this passage, um, but in Romans twelve three, it says, "For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned." Um, and I think that is the answer to, like, what is our part and what is God's part. Um, we're to take action on the measure of faith that God um, is, is, is giving us. And uh, you see here that Peter and John both had different, different reactions, different responses, right? Um, but the ultimate goal was they, they, they went to meet with Christ. Um, by John's measure of faith, he stayed in the boat and visited with Jesus after bringing the boat ashore. By Peter's measure of faith, he jumped into the water and swam some hundred yards ashore. So they each had a different measure of faith. And, 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 and Peter, you know, uh, took the response that like, I, I'm going to get there before you guys, or um, I just, I've got to be with Jesus. I miss him so much. And, and he jumped in. But John didn't, John didn't uh, respond with that measure of faith that he had been given. So it required action on both men's parts, but each of their actions looked different. And I think that's where we need to understand and not compare ourselves. In fact, later on it says like it's, it's unwise to compare ourselves with others um, in, in light of the truth of this passage. Um, so then I think it, it's also interesting that Jesus said, I don't know if you noticed this, I kind of paused on the word um, in John, he says um well, now i flip back to well hold your finger in romans but um in john he said jesus said to them bring some of the fish that you have just caught you know and and i'm thinking really i mean they didn't catch them i mean you caught them jesus but he but jesus um he's he's Telling them he he wants to allow he wants to and allows us to be a part of what he is doing, but again we cannot lose sight of the truth that he is the source of our power and provision. So that's kind of what I see him saying here. He didn't he didn't dog them. He 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 said bring some of those fish that you have caught. You know I did use you to catch those fish, even though I, you know, had them all go into your net, but but you were a part of it, um, and even more. Uh, in Hebrews it says, he is the author and finisher of our faith. So it all starts with humility on our parts to recognize these things. And then as our father gives us a measure of faith to take the appropriate actions and watch him do his work in and through us. So I wanted to read this passage in in Romans 3 um, till verse eight. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Are we responding to the grace and measure of faith that God is giving us? Or are we living like what C.S. Lewis said in this quote, Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation to the beach. We are too easily pleased. When I think of that, I just think that like um, there's this there's this plateau, if you will, or there's this there's something like on the other side of this line, right? That Jesus is he's giving us a measure of faith and he's giving us grace. Um, and he wants to be our source of power and provision, but we have to we have to obey. We have to we have to follow through with what he's saying. Just like the disciples had to, they wouldn't have seen they wouldn't have seen this miraculous living over here on this side if they hadn't followed through in obedience to what he was telling them to do. Um, So where where are you at this morning? Um, Do you believe that Jesus wants to show up in your ordinary everyday life? Do you believe that he wants to show up um, in your ordinary everyday life in order to reveal his power and his provision for you? Are you attentive to how he is revealing himself to you? Through his word, through prayer, through fellow believers? Are you taking the actions he wants you to take as part of this local body of believers, like the exhortation in Romans 12, um, according to his grace and measure of faith that as it says in Romans, God has assigned to you are you taking the actions he wants you to take as a part of where he has placed you in the, this world to make disciples, as it says in Acts, that he has determined our allotted period and the boundaries of our dwelling places in which we live, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. That, that includes us. God has put us in a certain place at a certain time in history that we may find him, that we may see him. It includes us, it includes our friends, our family members, neighbors, and co-workers. I mean, it's no accident who your family members are. Um, it's no accident who uh, your neighbors are and um, who your coworkers are. And um, God wants to use us to impact um, the world around us as we follow through on what he's telling us to do. So, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing yourself in such a way in this true story that John recorded for us to learn more about your ways. Work in us in such a way as to take action with the grace and faith that you provide in our lives. Help us to recognize our insufficiency to love and serve you, but to recognize your all-sufficiency. Help us to obey your commands Help us to be eager for fellowship with you, like Peter was. Help us to recognize your revealing of yourself in our lives and to rest in your ministering to us, like you did on that shore. And then finally, Father, use us to impact those around us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, um, I want to uh, share with you... Um, uh, and a friend of some of us who have been around for a while. Um, his name is Paul Wright. If you could come up here, Paul. Uh, I'll just... Uh, so, um, Paul and his wife, they uh, have been in China for the last four years and, um, and they um, have been uh, finding employment over there uh, so that they can impact the Chinese people for the Lord. And um, so... Um, you know as as a lot of us know like when you're bivocational you 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 have limited time and you, you there's things that you want to accomplish but you know you you can't because well you've got a day job you know and so they're back in the country now and they're trying to raise support <clears throat> so that they can go over there and just give uh, full attention uh, to ministry work and so um anyway I just uh, Want to pray for him this morning, and have you all join me in prayer? And um, uh, if you guys are so inclined to uh, pray for this brother and sister, then he's got, he's got some um, pamphlets that that talk about what what they're doing, uh, and what their plan is that they feel like the Lord's calling them to do. So let's let's pray for Paul. Heavenly Father, um, God, even in this story or e- of how. That John, Peter, the different disciples, they, they responded, God, according to the measure of faith that you gave them. And Lord, I just um, thank you for Paul and Janessa, that they have been responding to the measure of faith that you've given them, Lord. Um, I pray, God, that we'd all be attentive to that, you know. Here they, they are going to China, Lord. Uh, Maybe you've given some of us the measure of faith to, um, to reach out in ways, God, uh, in, in other ways. But, but in any case, God, may we just work in our lives to respond to the measure of faith you're giving us, to be obedient and be good stewards of that. And Lord, I just pray for uh, Paul and Janessa as they're back in the States, Lord, um, uh, trying to raise funds to to go back over there and and be able to um, uh, just devote themselves to the ministry, God, I pray that you would come through, um, and and I know you will, God, because if you've given them that measure of faith, Lord, you will back it up with your grace, God, and, and and if if that's the response that they need to have, which in their understanding that's what you want them to do, God, I pray that you would. Fulfill that. And again, this would be something that only you can do, we know. And so God, just pray for for that for them and that you would uh, just help them to continue to bring your glory in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.